what are you? It's a question that is asked so often of biracial people. It's an invasive and offensive way to inquire what someone's ethnic background is. But it's a question that led my guest, comedian, actor, and filmmaker Anastasia Washington to create not only a short film, but content that addresses this line of questioning and other hurdles that come with being biracial. As a multi-hyphenate talent, Anastasia is making waves, making a name for herself, and truly having conversations that need to be had. You're listening to We Need to Talk. Anastasia Washington, thank you so much for being on We Need to Talk today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you are a multi-hyphenate, as, as most people are these days. You have to be. You have to. I remember the days when they're like, you have to pick one lane. And now they're like, why don't you only do, why do you only do one, more than one thing? It's really interesting how that culture has Oh, I changed, know. Right? I remember them like, you know, like I was always kind of like had my hands on too many things. And they were like, you just got to pick one. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. See, I'm glad that we resisted because I was always, someone told me I had multi-goal syndrome and I'm like, yes, I do have multi-goals and I'm going to accomplish all of them. So I love that you are in that now, but now it's like a thing. You have to be a multi-hyphenate to to succeed and get anywhere. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But what I love in in reading about you and looking up your your interests and your passions, you've been using your platforms to produce content that really raises awareness about things that I'm very passionate about and some really difficult topics. I mean, obviously, Obviously, my podcast is called We Need to Talk. Yes. It's all things that we need to talk about. And I really love and appreciate people that do so because, you know, I think it's easy in the world of social media to make things seem like it's an Instagram filter. But the world is filled with real issues that we need to talk about. Um, but you also use your platforms with a lot of joy and laugh because I know you're a comedian. Yeah. So I love that you found that balance of comedy and surface level stuff, but also like deep, hard-hitting issues um, that that need to make you think. So I think that's really, really great. And one of the other things that I found really interesting and compelling about you is that you aren't afraid to do it. That's the thing, (laughs) getting past that fear, Yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, starting with something that is very personal to me, because I am am raising a biracial child, my husband is white, I really want to talk a little bit about your journey of being biracial in America. Mm. Because, you know, my daughter's three, and she's now started to notice the difference in skin color. You know, mommy's darker, daddy's lighter. I'm in the middle, you know, I'm kind of brown, Mm -hmm. but it's not like an issue for her. And we're like, yeah, we're different. Like that makes, you know, that, that makes you special. So what was your life like growing up being biracial in America? And how did you figure out how to navigate that? I mean, it's, you know, there have been um, different things, I think, that have, like, been flagged flagged my journey over the years, you know, like, um, I'm light-skinned compared to most of my family members, um, but I've always, you know, identified as a woman of color. That is, that is something that my mom really wanted me and my family members to instill in us, is that we are we are part of this community and, um, and that we're like a bridge in this community, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and it's a, and it's a heavy responsibility, you know what I mean? It's not that easy. And I think the way I always coped with humor, obviously, um, even in the tough conversations or the tough situations. Um, but you know, when you're really young, like I, my mom always tells a story, um, that, my sister used to draw all men um, different colors. No man, like when she was drawing, you know, at school or something was white. They were all different colors. Because in our family, 
most of the men are black, Japanese, Mexican, you know, Colombian, everything. Um, and the women in our family, a majority of them were, were a lot of white women so she would draw a lot of white women and somebody told her you know you know whenever teachers like that is wrong so so a teacher told her that's wrong and my sis my mom was like that's her reality and that is fine you never tell her that that's wrong um yeah. I think it's you know a little bit different now there's a lot more diverse families um when I was a kid it was a lot m more rare yeah. Um, but I think there's like a way to handle it. Like my mom always kind of gave us confidence. Like we would always get weird looks. Like we would walk in and we would get huge, like weird looks. And my mom would be like, it's just because we're such a good looking family, <laughs> you know? I love that. And so I like, I didn't really realize it was weird until like my first major, like racist incident. And, and even mm -hmm. then I was like, well, but we're, but you know like we're cool we're a cool family you know um so I think that was cool like to just like um always have confidence in our family yeah. um and then when when I found out things were like weird to people I was like wait a minute it came from a place of confidence um and joy and 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 humor um because that's the way my family dealt with it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, as you got older, I don't, where are you from? I'm from Los Angeles, born and raised. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, different dynamic. I'm from California, too. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm from Santa Barbara, so that was a very different experience, I'm sure. Um, but as you got older and living in L.A. and you started to see more diversity happen, like, how did you react to that? Like, was it a place of joy or was there like a, a little bit of sadness? Like, I wish I kind of had this growing up, like this perspective. Oh, I always look at it as a, as a joy. I think, I think right. when I see a fellow like mixed family or mixed person, I'm just like, I'm so excited. Like I, yeah. I, we give each other that look, you know, like that look of recognition. And I think it opens like conversations too like when I see a young couple with a young kid that's got hair like me I'm always just like oh gosh you know like I know I know what you guys have been through and what a joy to have like <laughs> brought something so beautiful into yeah. this world you know um despite you know conversations that I'm sure every family has had like my mom and dad were told you want to get married fine don't have kids don't bring them into this don't make this mm. a thing um, and to see like beautiful mixed children bridging that gap of um of of division is so beautiful. Um yeah. because once kids start happening, people start um they start shutting up a, a little bit, you know, a little bit. For Your sure. family starts shutting sure. up a little bit, you know, they're like, oh, yeah. now the kids are here. Um we, we can we can only protest so much. Um, um, right. I mean, they do. Right. I'm not saying they won't. <laughs> no, I get you for sure. You you also created a, a a short that won some awards that kind of addressed your your racial ambiguity. Yeah. And the question I know that a lot of my biracial friends get, and which is the title of your short, is "What are yes. you?" <laughs> which I mean, 
my God, I, I've always found that to be so offensive because it's like, well, one, I'm a human. That's right. what I am. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you want to know, just there's a different way to word it. Like, what's your racial identity or what's your racial background or what's your ethnicity, yeah. right? But not what are you? So I just, I would love for you to just talk a little bit about your short, why you decided to to make it and even share some of the experiences you've had of like coming up against that question, which I'm sure you received a lot in your life. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't actually stop. Um, I... I talk about this a lot in my one woman show too. It's like the things that people feel that they can ask you now, like when I was a teenager and, and, you know, like even maybe like a young, like, a you know, older kid, I felt very defensive by these, these statements. I felt very like uh, offended. Like nobody really wants at those ages to be different, you know, and I automatically was different. I'm a tall woman. I'm a curvy woman. Even when I'm skinny, I'm curvy. I have curly hair. That's like a strange color. I'm, you know, like there's something like I I walk in a room and it's like, what is that? (laughs) And (laughs) as a teenager, nobody wants that. Like nobody Mm. wants that. And so I became really offended by that through my teens, I will say, like defensive and whatever. And then I think as I grew older, I kind of started embracing the fact that I was different and that um, I didn't want to be like everybody else. And there's something about standing out that's really special, especially if you're a performer. Um, It takes a while to get there. You know, it takes a while to get there. But when And then I just started joking about it. You know, like I started like, okay, I would hear, what are you? Um, And I would be like, human or am I? You know, like, like, and I I think it's so, it's expanded now because it used to be just ethnicity that like everybody or like, you know, race or, or, or that people would ask. And now what are you is such a big bridge that, that people are hearing for gender and everything like that. It's such a huge, um, question and yeah I think it's it's slightly insulting that people feel like they can do it but also I try to think of it this way they feel curious enough to ask the question and they feel comfortable enough to ask the question and start a conversation with me and that Mm. is an amazing gift because I have a platform to talk now and 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 you know hopefully if I don't come off you know I've had those days where I want to come off aggressive, you know, like um, we all have. Right. Right. (laughs) But if I don't, there's some some kind of gift in in there that is like is that I can have this conversation with somebody that probably never thought they could have this conversation with somebody. And that is really great. (laughs) Like it's it's a really good, you know, great uh, thing to do. Um, Absolutely. I mean, those conversations are never easy to have anyway. But and I've always viewed my myself as the type of person that like I fully respect and understand when people don't have the capacity to have those conversations. But I do. And you seem like that type of person, too. You're like, if you actually want to learn, like, I'm willing to sit down with you and like have that conversation. Yeah. And and I think that there's, you know, I think the more we make it uh, unattainable to have these conversations, the worse things get. Right. So like if if I am like, yeah, that like the way you approach me isn't exactly how I'd love to be approached, but we can have this conversation mm-hmm. and I don't mm-hmm. feel like I've like closed you off. I feel like I've, I don't know, 
created an ally in some way I've had I, you know um it's hard some days like I really like you know don't love it you know um and and some of the stuff gets kind of invasive right like what are you oh can I touch your hair or mm-hmm. or even like the um the opposite like I've had I've been on set and people didn't want to touch my hair like that that was their job to do because they felt it would be offensive and they made a big deal about it and that made me feel even more awkward and more like called out and um and so there's a balance I'd rather somebody have a conversation with me like what is your boundary what can we do like what what I'd rather have that than ah no I don't yeah, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to, I don't want to be near it because, right. you know, so there's a, there's a balance. I'd rather have, what are you? And then go, okay, you know, like, let's make a joke about this. Cause like, if you were asked, what are you, would you feel a little weird? And yeah, yeah. let's have this right. conversation. So that's kind of where that, and, yeah. that came from. You know, it's interesting though, that people can't, a lot of people can't put themselves in that position of like, if this were reversed, how would you feel? Because it will never be reversed yeah. for most people that are the ones on the, you know, asking those questions. That's true. It will never be reversed for mm-hmm. them. So it's hard to even have some level of like empathy and understanding of like, oh yeah, that would offend me. Oh yeah, I could see why that would offend you because they truly cannot grasp yeah. why <laughs> yeah. it's offensive or why you would feel uncomfortable. And the other thing when you're saying when you're on set with hair, like I've definitely had that situation when I've been on set for stuff for like makeup, right? Mm-hmm. Like dark skin is just not for some reason you guys haven't figured out how to do it. But that's what's frustrating for me in this industry. Like still to this day, mm-hmm. how are you not making it mandatory to learn how to do all shades mm-hmm. and all different hair textures, you know, so that you don't have to be put in that position. Because if I'm thinking, if I were a makeup artist or a hairstylist, I would want to be at the top of my game and be like, yes, I know how to do everything. That's why I get hired all mm-hmm. the time. Right. I mean, but there are slowly you changes, you know, like yes, we have like the crown sure. act, which is like making yes. it, you know, uh, like a priority about like whatever your natural hair is or whatever your hair choices are are yeah, yeah um which is a big thing because i you know like having curly hair people were like oh it's messy and it's like well no this is just like my natural hair texture yeah. you know and there was a lot of pressure to like change my hair um and then and then there's there's initiatives that are trying to make makeup artists and hairstylists on set know what they're doing with that kind <laughs> of stuff and it's just yeah. um it's sad that it's like taken so long. And yeah. I even like remember this uh story about um oh god, I can't remember the actor, but he's from New Girl. And mm-hmm. nobody on set knew how to do his fade. Mm. So every morning he would go like super early before his call time, get his fade done out of pocket, and like just so he could look good on set. Um yeah. and I just think like oh my god i mean now you know he's a very successful actor he's mm-hmm. got you know i think it's woke has an he has another series called woke yeah, yeah um but he took a risk on himself because he wanted to take care of himself and that is so hard like i i even think about that i'm like would i have done something like that i i think there was years where i just let my hair or my look 
go because I was like, I don't, mm. I don't want to deal. I don't want to make waves. I don't want to have to be responsible for this. I just want to show up to work like everybody else. And yeah. and um, that's a lot of pressure. Um, so I I commend him for taking that. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> but also, it's sad because you don't want to, especially as a person of color, be deemed as an issue or a problem. Yeah, if you bring it up. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, because that's immediately like that. We have that paranoia and that thought, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm not going to cause any problems. I'm just going to do the job. But then you feel uncomfortable and then you're, you know, sacrificing parts of yourself and then it ends up affecting your work. I mean, it's a whole like mental thing. I don't want to be difficult. I don't want to be deemed like aggressive or stuff like that. And it's so easy for me to like um, say something and uh, like. I could be like the calm, like the calmest and all at once I'm demanding and I'm aggressive yeah. and I'm this, and I'm like, Oh gosh, it's so scary. Um, which is why I think I root everything in humor because I think it's harder to be like that person's being demanding or aggressive when you make it a joke. Um, yeah. it's probably why I became a comedian to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I, I understand that. <laughs> I completely get that. You know, another thing that I saw that you, you talk about a lot and I have, Oh, I have so many thoughts about it. And it's, I know it's a very uncomfortable conversation specifically within, you know, our community, but it's colorism mm. and it's, yeah, I mean, it's something I've definitely dealt with my, my whole life and, you know, my own experiences and the reasons behind it, um, have been difficult, but what have you come to learn about colorism? How have you experienced it? And in your conversations, you know, how are you personally on your platforms trying to raise awareness and have that difficult conversation about it? Because it is something that's still a huge issue. And I have my thoughts on, again, how colorism came to be. And we can talk about that in a second. Oh, yeah. but I just want to hear. Well, I mean, you. it's so historical, right? And it's yes. so and it's so um, yes. I actually had to have a really tough conversation with a comedian recently who I put on a, a show that I was on and he um, opened with just making fun of how light skinned I was and saying I didn't count in the community and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And all like 10, <laughs> 10 years ago, I would have just let it go. Um, and I, I did at the time I let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he posted, he posted a clip of it. And this is when mm. I was like, okay, I don't want div- divisive language to be represented. Uh, and I don't want to be an example of divisive language. Yeah. Um, this is a old colonial idea that is bringing us apart and tearing our community yeah. apart. And I don't want to be part of it. Like I, Right. Do not make me an example of this joke. This is not funny. And he kept going, oh, well, all biracial, you know, I've been doing this joke for 10 years and 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 the joke is funny to biracial people. And I was like, no, it's not. They go home and cry. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one that's telling you, do better. And if you're doing a joke for 10 years, you need to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and, yeah. and, and so like, I understand there is a privilege for me being light-skinned, but I also understand that there is a disadvantage. There are times when I walk in a room, uh, especially when I was a teenager, when I walked into school one day and I knew that I was automatically going to be hated and I was Mm. automatically going to be considered uppity, this, that. And no matter what I did, I was at risk of being bullied, even put hands on 
you know, like I had to move schools once because mm-hmm. I did nothing, but like, uh, you know, uh, a darker skinned boy liked me, wasn't even into boys at the time, had to move schools because I was an uppity light skinned girl that got this boy. And I was like, I don't even want him, whatever, you know? So I understand I have privilege. I understand I also have disadvantages. And I think that um, I am never not going to be honest about either. Right. And nor should any of us be. Um, I learned that I can't be quiet about it because internalizing that kind of stuff is just not healthy. Um, yeah. There are certain people that you can't have that conversation with, you know, like I couldn't have that conversation with my grandmother who, you know, we came out very light skinned was a very big disappointment to her, you know? Mm. Um, and it, and it, and it learned, I learned to have a relationship with her being respectful of that sometimes the older generation you just can't you know it is what yeah, it, yeah. it is they're, what they're it where is. they are they're you're not gonna you make just too like, many changes yeah, you just be like all right grandma thank, thank you i love you yeah. you know yeah. um but i think there's a lot of opportunity now for us to stop that kind of stuff especially in comedy it is huge in comedy to to divide us to make mm. to make um these jokes about our community and I um it it worries me because every time something like this like some some huge thing happens in our community we need to be together we don't need to be harboring like you're not good enough you're not this enough you're not that enough we are part of the community we would we all have disadvantages because of being people of color and we all in certain circumstances have advantages that the other don't so why mm. not just like stop dividing within because that's what they want they want it that's Absolutely. history that's of it thing. That's history what frustrates of it. Me. all any form of division yeah. that is within a community or any even marginalized groups mm-hmm. as a whole yeah. it's all under the umbrella of white supremacy yeah. saying oh fight against each other and you guys yeah. forget that we're the actual like the puppeteers of the you know yes. you know what I mean? like we're causing all of this and it so oh. yes it frustrates me it upsets me greatly because it's exactly you said it's exactly what they want mm-hmm. uh, it's what they they've completely manufactured since literally since slavery like yes. since the beginning of time right yes. so to continue that mindset and that behavior they're just sitting back sipping tea watching yeah and I, I and I and I at my age cannot stop saying that I don't want to I don't want to encourage div- divisiveness in our community. Yeah. I also yeah. want to be very honest about it. Like when I I wrote this horror movie that you know is is being shopped around right now, and it's about colorism. It's about a female relationship between a darker skinned you know woman and a and a lighter skinned woman, and the dynamics mm. of that growing up. And being women and going into motherhood and going into, you know, relationships and what that looks like and, and, and the language we, we say to each other and, and how that, you know, um, I mean, how you can love somebody and, and, and it could be a practically family or even can be family. And yet there's this, there's this colonial cloud, um, that is, that is just really like not allowing us to have the closest relationship, the most healthy, non-traumatized mm-hmm. relationship. And how can we make that better? Because I, I, I definitely want to be honest with all of my language, um, even if I'm being 
you know, oh, that was my bad. I shouldn't have said, like, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I would rather right. mess up and learn <laughs> than. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you can't grow or have any progress if, if you don't no, allow for that. No. And that's the other thing. I think we as people should allow people to make mistakes. Mm. I'm fully believe in grace. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm not a like a fan of like cancel culture. I'm no. not a fan of, um, you know, just alienating people or excommunicating mm-hmm. them from messing up. But one, that person also does have to be willing to want to make the change and and, and learn and, and be educated. Yes. But I think that our first step should always be wanting to help people self-correct rather than just telling them they're wrong and you shouldn't have done this or whatever. Because that's so scary Then nobody's ever going to to try to change. If, if yeah. immediately, if you mess up, you're canceled. Nobody's going to try yeah. anything. Yeah. There's no yeah. room for growth. There's There's just fear. And yeah. I'm going to mess up a lot in life, but hopefully I mess up with, uh, with enough going, uh, you know, with enough wisdom to correct myself, to learn, to have humility and, um, and change in the future. I mean, there are things that I'm still getting used to, like just in this new, like, you know, the way that we're supposed to be talking to each other, like dialogue changes over the yeah, years yeah and i'm a i'm a child of the the 90s you know we said different Same, stuff yeah <laughs> we said stuff that is not okay now um yeah and i you sure. know like dude i'm from la so i say dude for everything i'm like dude you know and now it's not cool it's not cool to say yeah. that because that's divisive language for gender hmm. i am or even like hey guys yeah i say hey hi guys. guys i yeah. say hey guys yeah. i say hey girl i say girl also divisive all these things that just spew out of my mouth that i have been saying forever yeah can rub somebody the wrong way just like what are you or something about my hair can rub me the wrong way i am trying that's all i gotta say and i have absolutely messed up and so have people messed up on me so like i'm like you know but i think in i think that that's why you're like in a position to grow and change because you've been on the receiving end. So you understand like empathy truly, you know, is, I think you can teach people empathy. I do, but I think it can also, it's a very natural thing for certain demographics. Right. I do think especially black women, because like black women, like that's, we have a lot to deal with in those two. And there's a lot of responsibility, even as young, 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 I remember just being very protective of the black men in my life yeah, you know and that that is a huge responsibility that we that we have on us very young um and i don't think it's always equal like i don't think (laughs) i don't think they always are like immediately like let's protect black women but like i feel like when we we are young it's like protect the black man in our life they're at they're in risk and then and i think it also has to be like okay let's instill in that also protect black women (laughs) yes like can we remind y'all because you came from us like (laughs) you came from us and there's also like a lot of like um just not even microaggressions, just aggressions towards us as we we grow as women um, and things that people feel that they can say to us, the the way that they can handle us um, is is different. And um, I don't know, like, I I think that we are taught very much to empathize immediately. Um, 
but also not necessarily empathize for ourselves and yeah. advocate Ooh, for yeah. ourselves. Mm. It's, it's, it's yeah. hard. It's a hard lesson that I'm learning now. And it, I'm not doing it great always, you know, like I, you know, I just was in a relationship where like, I was like, okay, well, how, how do I speak up? And I spoke up louder than I probably, cause I don't, cause I was just like, well, did, did, this is the way we, I, I need this right now, like, or whatever. And I didn't have the empathy or the, or the, um, finesse that I have for other people for myself mm. so mm. you know like that is something I'm learning and I yeah. you know like I think we either don't say anything or we say too loud and we have yeah. when we first are trying to talk about ourselves and talk about our needs so it's it's a learning process <laughs> yes, absolutely oh girl you said a mouthful but it's true it's so true and yeah black women we just we, we carry the world on our shoulders, I feel, yeah. you know, um, and I feel like we do it willingly, though. Yeah. I don't think that um, I rarely hear black women complain. I, I, I really hear us just state the reality of the situation. Yeah. And I think those are two different things. You know, yeah. there's a difference between complaining and just saying like, hey, this is what it is. This is this is hard sometimes. Yeah. But I'm willing to do it, especially if nobody's going to show up. Like, for example, like voting. Like, yeah. Black women always show up like we know. Yeah. We're like, no, nope, this is what we need. Right. We know how to take there's care a protection. of protection. We are such protectors. Yeah. You know, we are we such really protectors. Are. Um, And I, I, I mean, I've seen it in action. I think minority women are are in general are just like protectors such lionesses you know i remember i was at um i was at a birthday party for one of my nephews and um and this this white dude told him to get off some kind of like video game right and he comes back and he's like i think he's like six or something he comes back and he's like so sad you know he's we're like what happened and like every color woman got up like synchronized every color all the guys just sat there because they were like they got it every like we had we had all nationalities of women just rise and walk towards this white man and the man's face he was like i'm sorry i don't know what happened oh my gosh it's like a scene in a tv show it was crazy and i and i was just like so proud of us because it was just like it was just like this is and and this little boy like represented so much he's black and he's latina a latino and like you know it's just like everything and every single yeah. like woman had his back. oh i love it <laughs> i love it that's amazing well with with all the things that you you know talk about in your show and your platforms as a comedian as an actress as we push for change what does that look like to you i mean change for me is is uh is like what we were saying, empathy, you know? Yeah. Um, and it is the uh, freedom to mess up, but to also learn, right? Like we need that room. Um, that's why I try to make content that is honest and and, and full of humor because I feel like humor is a way that we're allowed to mess up a little bit. We're allowed to make, yeah. we're, we're, allowed, we're allowed room to entertain and to like, you know, put these thought provoking moments out there with a little bit of a safety net. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think comedy has always been um, 
the progressive way of change. Like I think about like Richard Pryor and, yeah. and, uh, you know, at times Eddie Murphy, <laughs> you know, and Paul Mooney. Uh, Paul yeah, Mooney. Paul Mooney. I thought he was really great yeah, about bringing like, issues up. All that stuff, you know, like, and uh, at times Chappelle, <laughs> you know, at times. at times, you know, we, we, we have some Chappelle issues now, yes. but you yes. know, um, yeah, but you know, like there has been some amazing, statements that have been made through comedy um and i think it delivers it a little bit easier for people to digest so for mm. me change or how i want to change the world is through comedy and honesty and empathy and horror i think horror is another amazing way to deliver messages jordan peele mm -hmm. is killing it you know yes yeah yes. sci-fi yes. and horror have always been ways to deliver hard messages in digestible ways. Um, that's why we had Star Trek, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's such a hard-hitting, um, thought-provoking TV series from the start, making changes. So I yeah. think, for me, change means making more content with empathy, love, humor, and truths, even if it's hard um, like let's cry and laugh together, like is my yeah. goal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I love it. Woman after my own heart. Well, can you let everyone know where they can follow you and keep up with the work that you're doing? Absolutely. Um, you can always go to my website, AnastasiaWashington.com. Um, and um TikTok and um Instagram, because we're not doing Twitter no more anyway. Uh at Anastasia <laughs> Wash, um, and Anastasia TV on YouTube. Um and and uh, yeah, I have a self-help book coming out, hopefully in the end of February. This is how things go when you're self-publishing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll definitely support it and, and post it when it's out. But thank you so much, so much for chatting with me. I really love talking with you. Same, same. This is amazing. Thank you so much for having me.